BBOR Black Box Online Radio, coming to you from West Virginia, Black Box Ned 88 on Instagram for the bonus podcast. And hello everybody, today is Friday and we are continuing with our discussions about the Long Island serial killer, as well as some other suspicious deaths that have occurred in the state of New York. First, I would like to begin by saying this is part of an ongoing series, but if you haven't heard the previous segments, that's fine. You can keep listening, but I do hope you'll check those out at some point in the future. I want this to be an ongoing series, but also to be viewed as standalone episodes. All is okay. The previous episodes have been about a review of the movie Lost Girls. Not a traditional review, but just discussing some ideas from the film. Lost Girls is available on Netflix, as well as an introduction to the case. And then there's even a true crime talk radio segment, which is very general. But in that one, I respond to the deposition of Michael Pack, who is a uh, key player in the story of Shannon Gilbert, really. Shannon Gilbert was someone who went missing in 2010 after visiting a client. She was working as an escort on Long Island, and she disappeared in the early a.m. hours of um, a summer morning, really, and she went ran off into the marshes of a town near, near Oak Beach, near Gilgo Beach, and she was never seen alive again. And then because of the searches for Shannon Gilbert, the authorities discovered four bodies that had been buried in the ground near Gilgo Beach, as well as um, being placed into burlap sacks, and they became known as the Gilgo Four. And this is really what t- started the the uh, persona that we know of as the Long Island serial killer. And it wasn't until more than a year after Shannon's disappearance that they were able to identify her remains conclusively, and she was not found buried in a, in the ground in a burlap sack. Her remains were found on the marsh, so that's also something to keep in mind. And while this will be an episode where I talk about these suspects and the Long Island serial killer mystery, I would first like to say that if you would like to download this show for free, you can go to Launchpad 1. There's a link to that in the description box. Launchpad 1 is the user-generated affiliate of Podcast 1. You can download the audio as a pure podcast, take it on the go, anywhere and anyhow. If you would like to download the video version of this show, you can use YouTube Premium, but you do have to pay for that. Launchpad 1 is free. And the absolute best way to support this channel is just by listening to some more content. I mean, use the Launchpad 1 page, or you can go just through some of the older playlists on this channel, listen to some um, different types of recordings. That's what really helps out Black Box Online Radio. But another great way to support the channel is to go over to Amazon.com and look at the novel Killer on a White Horse by me, Ned Dahan, available in electronic version. It's inexpensive. And lastly, you can also visit the Teespring page. There are some t-shirts available. Almost all sizes and colors are listed. And remember, being weird is not a crime. In addition to the Gilgo Four, there are seven victims who are possibly connected to the Long Island serial killer. And then there are some other victims who are perhaps more connected than that. You have an unidentified Asian male. You have Jessica Taylor, Jane Doe number six. There was a toddler, an unidentified woman who was the mother of the toddler. And there was the skull of an unidentified woman that was found nearby. So that's also another six victims. Maybe you would be dealing with ten conclusive victims, but we don't really know how many people have actually been 
murdered by the Long Island serial killer. And as we go through the info, I have found that there is so much info about the death of Shannon Gilbert, the person who went missing, and then that's what tipped off the authorities to search the the area in the first place. And even in the movie Lost Girls, the actress playing her mother, Mari Gilbert, says, if it weren't for Shannon, you wouldn't know about any of these people. But they don't believe that Shannon Gilbert was a genuine victim of the Long Island serial killer. And I talked about this a lot in the True Crime Talk radio segment. The alternative theory, which seems somewhat convincing, is that Shannon had a manic episode and ran in to the marshy area on her own accord. She's like actually running up and down, alerting other people, but she says that someone's trying to kill her, but she may have had a, an episode that was triggered by her bipolar disorder. It was reported that by the, uh, this is by her driver named Michael Pack, that Shannon was bipolar, but she did not use medication because she thought that the medication would cause her to gain weight. So instead she used her own self-remedies, which included taking ecstasy, but also drinking and smoking marijuana. Absolutely not the best thing to do for bipolar disorder. In this episode, though, I would like to talk about the suspect list, but I would like to get to just a couple comments that you guys have left on some previous Long Island serial killer episodes. Now, I said that the driver for Shannon Gilbert the night she went missing was named Michael Pack, and he brought her to a man named Joseph Brewer, excuse me if I said Joseph Brewster in a previous episode, um, that even still is somewhat in my mind, so I'm going to try to say Joseph Brewer, and I've been corresponding with someone named Tina over on Facebook. My personal Facebook is in the description box, as well as BlackBoxNet88 on Instagram, BlackBoxOnlineRadio at AOL.com, and Tina has written a comment here. One of the really big flags against Michael Pack that I have is how Shannon avoids going to Pack as she refuses to leave Joe Brewer's house. It is just a theory that I've tossed around in my head, but makes me wonder if Joseph Brewer and Peter Hackett were in the house and got violent with her, and Shannon then threatened to call her driver, and then the meds, the men said, he is in on it, he is the one who set this up for you, like a snuff pimp. I can't think of any rational reason why she wouldn't cling to her driver when he came into the house for protection, and I definitely believe that there were more men with Joe Brewer than just himself. He pleads the fifth when asked if anybody else was there, and in the deposition, that's Joe Brewer's definite deposition, he pleads the fifth when specifically asked if Peter Hackett is in his house that night. He only pleads the fifth on questions that should be obvious with a yes and might be incriminating. A big thank you to Tina for sharing all of these things here. Now, before we talk about Peter Hackett as a suspect, if you watch the movie Lost Girls, Peter Hackett is definitely their prime suspect. If you watch that movie, you're going to think that Peter Hackett was the Long Island serial killer. He's portrayed as the head honcho of the gated community um, near Oak Beach where Shannon Gilbert went missing, and they more or less put forward this theory that he's overseeing a lot of the illegal activities that could be going on, and because it's a prestigious community with lots of wealthy people, that the authorities are either turning a blind eye to his misdeeds, or that they're just simply not investigating these people because they're focusing on individuals from low-income backgrounds, turning a blind eye to the rich, and so on. But there is um, one other comment here I wanted to share that Shannon had written out. Excuse me, not Shannon. Tina has written this out about Shannon. 
Oh, I forgot. One last observation. Apparently the issue with Brewer and Shannon that night was that Brewer thought Shannon was a man. He thought she was transgender and it upset him. Brewer even uses the pronoun he for Shannon in the deposition, and the interviewer has to ask him why. And as you know, one of the Long Island serial killer victims was a transgender male. Or, um, I mean, like, he was a cross-dresser, that's the way we've been referring to him as, who had blunt force trauma versus just strangling as the other victims. Apparently, that's the what he endured. I guess this fits with the theory that Michael Pack may have been supplying people to wealthy men, including Joseph Brewer and Peter Hackett. Maybe he had also supplied others in the past, including some trafficked foreigners. Michael Pack, the driver, was charged with a felony that was listed as misuse of a passport. And when he was questioned about this in his deposition, he said that it was about bringing some people over to America and that he is um, going to... Well, in short, they're going to be working in prostitution, but if they get arrested, then they're just going to claim asylum. Now, as far as misuse of a passport, Michael Pack completely denies that he ever held the passports that were listed in that felony, like misuse of a passport, but it's an offense that is somewhat related to human trafficking. Now, Tina also pointed out something that I observed myself reading Michael Pack's deposition. He says that he has never done hard drugs and that he doesn't do drugs and he doesn't drink alcohol, but he seems like someone who is a heavy drug user, and the way he talks, even though I'm only reading the transcripts, it seems like someone who is definitely had his brain fried from drugs. They ask him, Okay, did you go to college? And he's like, yeah. What degree did you get? And he's like, I think it's a BA or a BS. Um, I don't remember. And I said this uh, last time, but I don't care if it's been 30 years, 35 years. I can't imagine anyone with a normal mental state not being aware of whether or not they got a BA or a BS, that they would actually forget that. But um, he insists that he is not a drug user, so says some guy being uh, deposed. But uh, Jacob Wilbers has also left a comment on the True Crime Talk Radio episode. It's hard to trust anything that any witness is saying. The cops might have no intention of charging the driver or the clients with prostitution-related charges, but I would bet money that even if the cops said otherwise, that would be foremost on their mind. So with somebody like Michael Pack, he is perhaps not telling the truth because he's afraid of incriminating himself. And believe it or not, I mean, I would probably be afraid of that, even if they said that they were not going to charge him. And then we also have one more comment that has come in, and this is from Studio Steph, who talks about the disappearance of Shannon Gilbert. As I said, that it occurred in the early a.m. hours, and he says, I looked it up, and it was at 5.55 a.m. when the dawn rose at on the 1st of May, 2010, one hour after Shannon was last seen. The sky would be getting lighter around 5.30, so it was 64 degrees outside, a bit chilly, without a jacket, but not necessarily hypothermic. I'm guessing a combo of a manic episode, pills, meth or something, alcohol even, and staying up till 5 a.m. on a job or a sex job seems like drug behavior. Maybe he, referring to Joe Brewer, got rough and it triggered her. The driver came in and then that made it worse. Or maybe they just had some kind of story together. The cops seemed confident they weren't involved, though. Unless someone intercepted in the early morning, I'm going to guess that she ran off to hide in the marsh, fell out, fell, passed out, and drowned. There are two theories that people have in, in regards to this comment here. 
The first is that the police are in on it and that they're trying to cover up for some high-ranking law enforcement official, meaning that the Long Island serial killer is actually a higher-up in some jurisdiction or some police bureau, and that's why they're turning a blind eye to all of these actions. And the other one is just that, that the reason why Shannon was so unresponsive to the driver, Michael Pack, is that she was having a psychotic episode. I mean, she was she lost awareness of her mental faculties. I repeat, psychosis has no logic. I've said that on the channel before. When someone is in a psych psychotic state or having a manic episode, they're not going to be acting logically. They're not going to be acting rationally. This isn't like being drunk. She would not necessarily go with the driver, Michael Pack. So, just putting that one out there. Okay, now, the first suspect I would like to talk about is a man named James Bissett. And I'm not going to show his photo for a particular reason, but um, just the basic introduction about him is that two days after Shannon Gilbert's remains were found, businessman James Bissett took his own life in his car in Mattatuck Park. One of Bissett's businesses was a plant nursery, which was the main supplier of burlap in the region. Now, you would have me going there for a second, except for the fact that I don't believe that Shannon Gilbert was actually murdered by the Long Island serial killer. I believe that her death seems like it was accidental. I mean, I do believe that somebody strangled her. I mean, if I had to make a determination now because of the independent coroner findings from her family's attorney, or her family's attorney hired an independent coroner who said that there are signs of strangulation, I don't believe Shannon was strangled to death, but that uh, roughness may have triggered the manic episode, or if she were under the influence of any type of drug, that might have also been a catalyst that put her destructive tendencies into motion. But as of now, because of um, a lot of the differences associated with the way that Shannon Gilbert died, I believe that she was um, just that, like she she was the victim of an accidental death, and that she either, as as a studio staff said, tripped, fell in the marsh, and drowned, or perhaps something else in relation to succumbing to the elements, something to that effect. Although, as he does point out, Steph, that is, she disappeared in the early a.m. hours. I mean, we're talking around 5.30, 5.55, 6 a.m. You know, that's not really the time that somebody would succumb to the elements. Drowning, yes, but um, I just, I don't believe that she was a genuine victim. And this guy, James Bissett, he has definitely a larger connection to the chronology based on Shannon Gilbert being a Long Island serial killer victim, which I don't believe she was. Now, the second part here is that one of Bissett's businesses was a plant nursery, which was the main supplier of burlap in the region. They talk about this in the movie Lost Girls, which is available on Netflix. They say, hey, look, this guy has burlap sacks in his shed. Not about Bissett, but about a different suspect. But owning a burlap sack does not make you the Long Island serial killer. Owning a plant nursery does not make you the Long Island serial killer. Well, I was creeped out when I read that the first time, but, well, he owned many businesses, it says from here. And um, I think that this it, this could all just be a coincidence, or perhaps even a forced coincidence, because you got to do something better than just saying that this guy owned a plant nursery that had lots of burlap sacks. I mean, that doesn't make him guilty of anything. Now, the next uh, suspect on the list is Peter Hackett, and as I said, if you watch the movie Lost Girls, you'll come away from that thinking that Peter Hackett is the Long Island serial killer. 
Two days after Gilbert's disappearance, Peter Hackett, an Oak Beach resident and neighbor of Joseph Brewer, phoned Shannon Gilbert's mother, Marie Gilbert. She later recounted that he said he was taking care of Shannon Gilbert and that he ran a home for wayward girls. Three days later, he called Marie Gilbert again, denying that he had any contact with her daughter and that he had called Marie Gilbert in the first place. Investigators later confirmed through phone records that Hackett had indeed called Marie twice following her daughter's disappearance. The marshy area where Gilbert's remains were found was near Hackett's backyard, and her personal items were found directly behind his property in the marsh. Gilbert's family filed a wrongful death suit against Hackett in 2012, claiming that he took Gilbert into his home that morning. He had administered drugs to her, facilitating her death. The lawsuit was dismissed because it could not be proven that Hackett had administered drugs or treatment to Gilbert. I think if they had physical evidence from Shannon Gilbert's remains that any of that had taken place, then this case would be open and shut a long time ago, then they could charge um, Peter Hackett with murder. But that evidence just isn't there. I mean, that's what I, that's my simple response. Insufficient evidence to support that. And before you think that, well, if her remains are found near his property, that means that he did it. She ran off into the marshy areas and she was at his neighbor's house. Well, where is she going to go? She's going to go to the area near one of the neighbor's properties, no matter who it is. I mean, she's running into an unfamiliar area in a disoriented state. And also, that is to the death of Shannon Gilbert, whom I've already said I don't believe was murdered by the Long Island serial killer. Now, if you would like to make a case that there is something going on where this um, affluent community is luring in prostitutes and they are murdering them and that they are burying the bodies and then they're just all in on it. It's a, it's like a well-guarded secret among a, a few people. You might have a stronger leg to stand on, and that they're luring these escorts over there on the pretense of they're just going to provide services, and then they're going to go back to New York City, but instead the residents of Long Island are murdering them. I think if that were true, though, it would probably have been... They probably would have messed up at some point and left some other physical evidence behind. I'll keep going. Later, police revealed that Hackett had a history of inserting himself into or exaggerating his role in major events. Police later ruled out Hackett as a suspect in the deaths of Gilbert and the Long Island serial killer victims. Hackett left Oak Beach and moved to Florida with his family not long after Gilbert's disappearance. And if you go through some of the documentaries, I forget if it was 48 Hours or 60 Minutes Australia, but they flat out said that this guy, Peter Hackett, he just wanted attention. He was just making this stuff up because um, even though he is a doctor, he just wanted to do this because he wanted attention. So that's actually very depressing to hear. You would hope that somebody like a doctor would have more responsibility than that. But now let's get to something about the police involvement. This is the suspect, James Burke. Former Suffolk County Police Chief James Burke was reported to have been blocked was reported to have blocked an FBI report on the Long Island serial killer case during his time as police chief. In 2016, Burke was sentenced to 46 months in federal prison for assault and conspiracy. Burke violently assaulted a man in his custody who had stolen a duffel bag from a police vehicle. The duffel bag contained sex toys, a pornographic DVD, and Viagra. Burke pleaded guilty in 2016 to charges of a civil rights violation and conspiracy to obstruct justice. Thomas Sporta, the then district attorney in Suffolk County, was convicted in 2019 of conspiracy to cover up 
Burke's violent assault. Well, if that gives you any window into the world of how police cover for each other, it seems like they were convicted of it. Christopher McPartland, who had been Suffolk County's top anti-corruption prosecutor, was also convicted in the conspiracy. In 2016, an attorney for Shannon Gilbert's family reported that an escort had stated that she suspected Burke might be connected to the Long Island serial killer case. The escort, who had identified herself as Leanne, stated that at one party she had attended in April 2011, Oak Beach, in Oak Beach, she had seen Burke drag a woman of Asian appearance by the hair to the ground. Leanne said that she saw Burke at a later party in August of 2011, and she decided to engage in sexual activity with him. Wait a second. You saw him drag a woman to the ground, and then you still went back in August and then decided to... All right, no judgment, I suppose. She described him her his experience with Burke as very violent, and he yanked her head during oral sex to the point where she began to tear up. Burke was unable to reach orgasm and proceeded to throw three or four hundred dollars at her afterwards. At the time, she was not a professional sex worker, she states, and this was the first time that she was paid for sex. Well, I, I honestly hope that her story is not true. I mean, I, d I really don't mean to be judgmental, but she saw him assaulting another woman and then just decided to be with him at a later date? I mean, what on what in the world is going on there? Now, this could be one of the cases when it definitely seems like somebody covered up this guy's wrongdoings, and it definitely seems like there is some type of illegal activity surrounding this guy. Now, I just don't believe, though, that he would have enough power to cover up the investigations of the Long Island serial killer case, if he actually were responsible for the murders of these victims, then I think something would have come back on him, especially for the fact that he was convicted of other crimes. Now, I'm going to go on to the next suspect, and he is perhaps the one that, well, definitely Dr. Todd Rounde referred to him as the best suspect in the case, and his name is John Bitrolf, who, um, well, let's just read here. On September 12, 2017, Suffolk County Prosecutor Robert Bianca Villa said that John Bitrolf, a Suffolk County resident convicted of murdering two sex workers and suspected of the murder of a third, was a suspect in at least one of the Long Island serial killer murders. Bianca Villa stated that Bitrolf was likely responsible for the deaths of other women and that there were similarities between the Gilgo Beach crime scenes and, Gil and Bitrolf's known murders, for which he was convicted in May of 2017 and sentenced later on. Bidrolf was arrested in 2014 after his DNA was found on two murdered women, Rita Tangredi and Colleen McNamee, whose bodies were found in 1993 and 1994, respectively. The match had been made through DNA submitted by his brother, who was convicted in 2013 in an unrelated case. Bidrolf was convicted in May of 2017 on these murders and sentenced to consecutive terms of 25 years for each murder. The Suffolk County Police did not comment on the prosecutor's statement due to the active homicide investigations in the LISK murders. Bitrolf's attorney rejected the, the prosecutor's assertion. Now, the first point is that, are you getting something here when they say that they have his DNA on two women and they believe that he is responsible for the murder of one of the other victims? And, like, let's just look here at some of the comments. He is a suspect in at least one of the Long Island serial killer murders. Now, when I talk about the Zodiac Killer, 
I may have spent more time than any other person on YouTube examining the multiple killers theory minute by minute more than anybody else. Multiple killers. And with the Zodiac Killer mystery, perhaps it's a little bit difficult to make that case. With Jack the Ripper, perhaps it's a little bit difficult to make a multiple killers theory. But with the Long Island serial killer, I mean, maybe it's possible. The first point is, the authorities always have more info than they lead on. They always know more than what they're revealing to the general public. They wouldn't even talk about everything in association with the death of Shannon Gilbert, even though they don't believe that she was a victim of the Long Island serial killer. And, I mean, it's possible the death of Shannon Gilbert is a tragedy that took place, but then her family and her fam their family, the family attorney is like, well, then why won't you release everything if you don't believe that she was a victim of the Long Island serial killer? What investigation would you be compromising if you think that she was just an accidental death and, like, a drowning victim? Why not share that stuff? So, um, it really is somewhat of a mystery. But, if anything, they only think, see, they've only says right here that they're connecting John Bittertolf to one of the... Long Island serial killer victims, and you have the Gilgo Four, where the bodies are placed into burlap sacks, buried fairly closely together, and then they have other uh, murders that have taken place. The unidentified Asian male, whom his Tina wrote out, was bludgeoned as well as strangled. And, I mean, I I can only accept that the authorities might have some more conclusive evidence to link together ten of the victims, and then there are these seven possible victims, which probably don't have as strong of a case to make, but, I mean, what it seems like the Long Island serial killer would be doing, if all of those are the result of one person, then it's a sexually driven serial killer who was operating from 1996, perhaps until 2010, 11, or 12, many more victims would be out there, or there are multiple killers, and now, are they covering up for some type of, um, no, some type of Long Island affluent elite thrill kill club? I mean, crazier things have happened. I don't think we have enough proof to say that that's what took place, but I definitely think about it. And then they're like having somebody who is acting like the, uh, the fixer for the elites. If you ever watch the show Ray Donovan, um, it's about the. It's a fictionalized dramatization of a fixer for elite people, for rich people. About, say, for example, somebody overdoses on drugs and they um they want to get this person's body out of someone's home. So, and then they would call somebody like Ray Donovan, the fixer. I watched the first four seasons and then I thought the storylines were too repetitive, so I gave up on that. But thank you, Showtime, all the same. But in real life, I mean... Is that what's happening, that they're just having different people cover up the actions? Because in short, what Tina said at the beginning about Michael Pack, the driver for Shannon Gilbert, is not exactly accusing him of murder, but instead accusing him of being just that, a fixer, being the person who is providing women to these very rich men who are involved with either a murderous thrill-kill club or maybe making snuff films, videotaping the murders of women and they're just privately shared or kept in vaults or something. Now, in a different uh, fictional series or, or, yeah, movie series, you can look at the movie 8mm with Nicolas Cage, which talks more about snuff films, but th those things are fiction all the same. 
And lastly, there is Joseph Brewer written on this list here. Joseph Brewer, an Oak Beach resident, was one of the last people known to have seen Shannon Gilbert alive. He hired her as an escort from Craigslist on the night of her disappearance. Brewer said that shortly thereafter, Shannon Gilbert arrived as his residence. She began acting erratically and fled his home. Gilbert was reportedly seen running through Oak Beach, pounding on the doors of homes in Brewer's neighborhood. Around this time, Gilbert called 911, saying they were trying to kill her. Police, however, did not find any evidence of wrongdoing, and Brewer was quickly cleared as a suspect. And I think I've heard in other sources that at least two people um, called 911 as well after Shannon Gilbert was pounding on their doors. A point I would like to bring up about that uh, and Joseph Brewer as a suspect is, I would expect that if this is a wealthy, gated community, lots of people are going to be using escorts, lots of people are going to be bringing in escorts from New York City and so on, and they aren't really too worried about the price or anything. So, that doesn't necessarily make someone a serial killer. And now, is there some type of illegal activity going on? Absolutely. But is it murder? It's all inconclusive. And just looking at this as someone who is going through the info on the internet, watching the documentaries, reading the depositions, listening to podcasts, and looking at some of the um, info that has been made available to the general public, it's so hard to identify one single person because all of the explanations provided always have some type of um, escape rope or some type of plot hole when something is just pulling a person out of it. Like, you would think that Peter Hackett is responsible for these deaths. Oh, wait a second. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's just a liar. Maybe he's just a fraud. Maybe he's just someone who isn't telling the truth all the time. And maybe he had definitive knowledge of the prostitution rings that were going on in Oak Beach. Maybe he didn't. But the authorities do not seem to believe that he was responsible for this. And uh, the conspiracy theorists go absolutely wild with this stuff. And they're like, well, it's all of because it's an interconnected sex ring and so on. Maybe yes, maybe no. Where's the proof of that? I mean, that's what you got to do with the skeptical card. You have to play that and just be like, if that is real, I will accept it once I have the proof. But I definitely would like to thank Wikipedia for providing this suspect list here. Now, they might be able to link John Bidrolf to one of the Long Island serial killer victims, and that would be closure in part of the case. But that would definitely then ask the question, are there multiple killers? I mean, my multiple killer sense is definitely tingling with this particular murder mystery because it really seems like there are differences in numerous amounts of crimes. I mean, let alone you have the Gilgo Four, and then you have the other victims who appear to be disposed of in a different way, and then the unconfirmed victims are... There's a high chance they're probably not connected to the Long Island serial killer, to be honest. And as of now, I do not believe Shannon Gilbert was connected to the Long Island serial killer. But... If the authorities believe that there are those additional six victims, the um, the unidentified Asian male, uh, Jessica Taylor, the uh, baby, the toddler, that is, Jane Doe number six, as well as the unidentified woman who was the mother of the toddler, and that skull that they found, if they believe that they have some connection among those victims and the Long Island serial killer, then they must know something that we do not.
So I think that's where we're going to have to leave it at for now. None of the suspects look very good, to be honest. Nobody on that list is um, really just standing out to me. And in fact, I think there are problems with all of them. But what do you think? Do you think there's um, something about... There's, do you think there's something that I've overlooked? And if you have anything to say about the Long Island serial killer case, please put your ideas in the comments section below. And if you would like to contact me, you can use Facebook or Black Box Online Radio at AOL.com, BlackBoxNet88 on Instagram, and you can visit any of the links in the description box. There are numerous now. So I would also like to say, though, that what is your take on the subject? What do you believe happened? Do you think there were multiple killers in this case? It seems like there could be a very high chance that there is. But um, what do you think about the death of Shannon Gilbert as well? Do you think she was murdered by the Long Island serial killer? Or do you believe that her death was an accidental death? as a result of being disoriented near a water source and drowning. Please um, respond to anything you'd like in the comments section below, and I will see you on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.